Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentle listeners, the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles football season has effectively come to an end after a devastating loss to the Dallas Cowboys. And as such, no normally jaunty intro music on this one. Instead, I decided to play some Robert Schumann, Er ich das Liedchen klingen, whose lyrics start, quote, I hear the dear song sounding that once my beloved sang, and my heart wants to burst so strongly from the savage pressure of pain. Ben, this was a wild game. I'm Michael Kiss, that's Benjamin Solak. This is the Kiss and Solak Show, episode 52, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Ben, man, what just happened? What did I just witness? Two very different games, plus an overtime that was just bizarre. I'm beside myself about several things. Uh, Go ahead. Well... The Eagles showed a great deal of spirit to end the game. They showed a, 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 a never-say-die. The defense had an absolutely fantastic game. Besides the fact that simply an injured Sidney Jones and then a street-free agent, Devontae Bowsby, both could not cover Amari Cooper one-on-one, and obviously uh, the Eagles did not have the safety personnel to really mitigate that issue— and or they did not have the defensive coordinator who was willing to adjust to mitigate that issue. Let's. I want to. I want to jump. I want to jump in on that. In what world? In what world does Dak Prescott go forty-two for fifty-two? In what world do you show him that much respect and incompetence when dealing with Amari Cooper? For four hundred. Everything. Yeah. Four hundred fifty-five yards. He had a bad game. He went forty-two for fifty-two for four hundred fifty-five yards. He played objectively poorly. How do you allow that to happen against Dak? That's too much respect. You're making everything easy for him. That was that was terrible. Either you're playing, either they're running guys off and throwing right to the flats, or you're playing bunch with man with a blitz and allowing Amari Cooper to just go right across the traffic on third and nine in overtime, get an easy freaking completion, or you're not doubling Cooper and you're putting your guys on the night. Like I didn't know what this game plan was. Like yeah, the defense showed up in certain spots and and defensive line started kicking, but come on, man, that was. I was abysmal by Schwartz. Abysmal. You can't tell me any different. I disagree a bit. The majority of the ball movement for 3.33 quarters was nickel and diming the linebackers. It was it was Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz and Ezekiel Elliott out of the backfield. And it was saying, Nate Gary is a bad space athlete and Kamugujay Hill does not have great coverage instincts underneath zones. And it was I was identifying and attacking those guys. And really, you're at a point where, you know, they put up a graphic for Cooper in the second half where he was like five for 45, which has been great. It was a great day against Cooper, right? Then you get to the point where Philadelphia starts loading the box up a little bit more, especially in the fourth quarter as, you know, it's 9-9 and Dallas is running the football and they're trying to eat some clock out. And then you're in one-on-one situations. Listen, I hear you in the sense that never should Cindy Jones slash Devon, Cindy Jones injured, I should say, slash Devontae Busby been matched up one-on-one for Cooper for, like, three penultimate drives, and then, of course, the ultimate drive. Right. That being said, 
for three and a third quarters, they were getting away with it, slash not targeting Cooper that much, slash tackling him when he got the ball in his hands. So it was okay. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would have loved no, it was, to have- it was a, No, it was okay because the Cowboys stalled out in the red zone because they're literally going to be, after this week, the worst red zone offense in the NFL because they're cowards as soon as they get to the red zone. The, the Cowboys had plenty of chances to go up big in this game. Dak Prescott being terrible and then being cowards in the red zone does not excuse the fact that they were able to march up and down the field against us pretty much all game. No. Very the, much so. I dis- disagree with that. I, I agree that the, the, the Eagles defense gave up significant yardage and despite, and, and, and only because they were able to stop the Dallas Cowboys terrible red zone offense and Russell Douglas got a very timely pick inside of the five were they able to prevent much more points going up on the board what I'm simply saying is to say that Cooper beat the Eagles around the bush for four quarters in overtime is incorrect it's not it's not right because for three no, that's, quarters that's not no that's not what I'm saying though but what I'm saying is though when he did beat us it was one-on-one with an island that they were a very easily uh, identifiable they were beat by everybody else because of that other coverage it didn't it didn't matter that Cooper was four for 45 before he started to go off it didn't matter there what mattered was when they saw that they had a chance with Amari Cooper one-on-one with Sidney Jones and Devontae Bosby, they had zero help. They had no help from Corey Graham. Corey Graham was late to every spot. I know that's not Schwartz's fault, but he's freaking slow. Maybe you need to try somebody else there. Maybe that's a front office thing. But yes. uh, what I'm saying is, along with Cooper being limited to begin with, it didn't matter because everything else was open. Everything else was working. So I don't care that Cooper was 4 for 45 before he started to go off. I, I couldn't I couldn't give a darn less. There's 11 dudes on the defense, man. You either have to leave some space here or leave some space there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, for, for me... But you're playing against Dak Prescott and you're giving him, you're not making him work for anything. They didn't have to work for anything there. So what would you have preferred? What would you prefer more cover two? So what I have, I said that in the in the in the, the pregame show. We didn't see it that much this way. I would have loved to have seen that. But to me, I would much rather let the Cowboys march up the field at the hands of Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz than at the hands of Amari Cooper, which is what they did for the majority of the game. And then, from what I saw in the the broadcast copy, Schwartz starts bringing Jenkins down more to the box over tight ends, and then the the Cowboys start feeding Cooper. The 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 personnel on the defensive back end has been handicapped for the in, the past five weeks of the season. I mean, we have no Maddox, we have no Rodney McLeod, we have no Jalen Mills, we have no Ronald Darby. This is the reality: is that you're going to be able to move the ball against the Philadelphia Eagles through the air. We we knew that coming in. I don't like. When you say like you know like they didn't they they didn't make things difficult on Dak. I mean, what we want more trap coverages. We've been wanting more trap coverages since week one. It's not like he was doing things well previously this season. He regressed. Schwartz came out, played the. Ex- That's the problem. That's the problem. Right. I mean, there's there, nothing there's been specific. No change and and you know that Ezekiel Elliott is going to be more involved in the pass game, and he goes twelve for seventy nine. You allow that to happen because you give him the easy checkdowns. Like there, there was no adjustment for that whatsoever. Devontae Bosby is right. not going to come up and tackle freaking Ezekiel Elliott. Sidney Jones isn't going to come up and tackle Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott. They had no they had no idea so, how so, to stop okay. the bleeding. So your your complaint is more so we got the same from Schwartz as we always did, not so much Correct. specifically the Dallas game. Okay, no, I, yeah, I'll give you that for sure. I uh, <laughs> I just didn't expect anything different from Schwartz because there's no reason to. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have expected <laughs> to do anything otherwise. Uh, but well, regardless, it's, it's culminated to this point to where now we're yeah. knocked out of the playoffs, and that's why I'm so pissed off about it and ranting and yelling at you, knowing that you understand the points that I'm making, but at this and understanding well, your no. points. But my God, man. 
How some yelling just, is highly yeah, necessary after a game like this. I did most of my yelling yeah. before the podcast at the screen, uh, but no, <laughs> obviously, more like yelling is very welcome on the podcast after the season kind of goes down the drain like this. The so the reality is, I, I think generally the defense showed a ton of spunk and a ton of fight and a ton of spirit, and then like they have all season, the fourth quarter really couldn't buy themselves a stop. Uh, you know, I was kind of tweeting it out during the game. The Eagles in the first Dallas game, the offense obviously fell behind early. They were very flat coming out. They tied the game twice, and then Dallas hit up go-ahead scores twice. Uh, Unlike that game, the Eagles were able to get a third score on offense, despite the best efforts of the back judge, and bring the game to overtime. And then, uh, accordingly, Dallas then hits their third go-ahead score, this one obviously being uh, the knockout blow for uh, the overtime play, which, dude, heartbreak. I mean... It, it, oh, it, wow. it, it couldn't be more Cowboys for it to have been a bad play and a bad throw. Like the the the, uh, the Eagles, Zach Ertz in the near red zone when they were down nine to six. Alshon Jeffrey on a third down ran that exact sort of little slant right from behind a slot vertical release, and the Cowboys got two pass breakups, and both those balls just fell straight to the ground. And this time, Rasul Douglas plays it flat out perfect. Amari Cooper said during the post game interview he knew right. Douglas knew the route. Yeah, and he knew Douglas was jumping it, and just Douglas's pass breakup pops up into the air. You know what I mean? Like that. Like it's so Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys to win the game on what was objectively bad process and complete luck. Yeah. Uh, which which honestly speaks to the entirety of the game. To be frank, just the entire game was chaos and was coin flips. It was madness. I'm very excited for, as I've been saying. Uh, national uh, analysts to buy into the Dallas Cowboys who are absolutely going to lose their first playoff game. I'm certain without a shadow of a doubt. This is a bad team. They were, they were fighting. As I said, in the, in the middle of the game on Twitter, they were fighting over a castle of sand because they both played. They, neither team deserved to win that game. And look, we haven't even said the final score yet, but it's 29 to 23 Cowboys win in overtime on a bizarre finish with the Amari Cooper touchdown. As we just talked about, uh, ben, for the offense, because we talked about some of the defense here, but for the offense, uh, yeah, I, I think this is Mike Rose last year with the team, his first year <laughs> as offensive coordinator. And what was crazy is, and you said this on this show, Zach Ertz was our wide receiver one on this team. And if you were going to shadow anybody, that it would be Zach Ertz. And the Cowboys did that by putting Byron Jones on him in key situation, which He's used to doing as a former safety, and it just for, Mm -hmm. what, two and a half, almost three quarters, just froze our collective brain. So just ugly. And I hate talking in absolutes and black and whites, but it looked like in the very beginning and uh, until very close to the end that they had no idea how to scheme anybody else open. Like, Arts is the feature of the offense, and they didn't know how to do anything else with some of the other weapons on this team it's so Zach Ertz centric and I think that's what some of the people are talking about when they talk about Zach Ertz being force-fed the ball all the time it's not that Carson is necessarily force-feeding the ball the designs are to him and you can even go to that red zone sequence when they had that weird there was the illegal block in the back and then on second down you bring in Smallwood who is on the field in a key situation for some reason when he's been outplayed by three different backs that are all dressed has been summarily outplayed by everyone. You put him in in that situation, you run the ball, they check to a run, whatever. And then that third down, you get like that two-man route concept with him and Alshon Jeffrey and, and Ertz is running the underneath route. You're thinking, that's it? That's that's the move right there? That's what you're starting to dial up? I I, I That sequence blew my mind. Right. Obviously, Carson 
Carson checked into the second down run, That's obviously, what, I, yeah, and he uh, had yeah. box numbers. Yeah, but also Still. Wendell Smallwich like ran into it, dude. <laughs> so box numbers only helpful when you were running back who can execute. Yeah, no, Smallwood's bad. Uh, first and first and and goal from like the seventeen or whatever it was, and it's a, uh, it's like I think it was like Matthews, Goddard, Richard Rogers was like the main personnel, and it was a little like underneath crosser to Matthews. I mean, like uh, I don't think Carson Wentz attempted a throw into the end zone. Yeah, besides the Goddard touchdown, right? Which was a breath of Which, fresh air because you thought it was going to be like that that out stem from Ertz and then come back. Like that's what I was waiting for. They actually ran up to the flat. They ran some people off. I was like, oh my god. This is new. Yeah. This is interesting. Here's the and this is this is the 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 tricky thing is that I think two things are very very true. One, the play calling in general was uh, was Ertz reliant. Absolutely. Um, it is tricky because you have Ertz who's probably one of the best tight ends in the game, and there would be far less criticism for being one target focused if he was a wide receiver. Like that's just a flat out reality. And that's kind of what we were saying with that whole wide receiver one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the fact that um, if they, if this were DeAndre Hopkins, if this were AJ Green, if this were Mike Evans, nah, not so much Mike Evans, given how the Tampa Bay offense works, and they've got other weapons. But if we're like Hop or AJ Green, there would not be nearly the amount of criticism for him getting the ball, and it's it's because he's a tight end, and and we're just simply not used to tight ends receiving that amount of volume. Number one, number two, I think that. For me, as as a as a play caller stepping into those shoes, when Carson comes out and is objectively bad to start the game, just misses a couple throws, yep. looks super uncomfortable in the pocket. Obviously, has that fumble as well at the end of the first half, where he's just not moving well in the pocket, not seeing the field great. I want to get him into a rhythm. Who is my rhythm player? It's Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is my quick guy, you know, tight end, like safety valve, short area, just let him get a couple completions under his belt. So that's why I think in the first half, especially, you see them really trying to get the ball to Ertz is because Ertz and Carson have really good chemistry and you kind of want to get Carson warmed up. They come out in the second half and after the three and out, oh, they get Alshon involved yes. a little bit more and Alshon kind of becomes that player who warmed Carson Wentz up, right? Which they move to Alshon. So I don't hate the process of going to Ertz heavily in the first half when Carson just really can't seem to hit anybody because that's with whom he has the best chemistry. So that doesn't bother me too much. At least, I should put it to you this way. It takes a little bit of the edge off to me, some of the more unimaginative play calling. The fact that they were able to adjust in the second half is great, but here's my problem. This is a quote from Jim Schwartz, and I've said this a couple times on this show. Halftime adjustments are all fun, and we all like to write about him and talk about him as as this thing, but it's play to play. It's drive to drive. Those were are the the adjustments. Those are where they need to happen. They need to happen after those situations. When you see early on, and it was very clear to see early on that Byron Jones was going to be on Zach Ertz on these key situations. It took them over a half to adjust to this. And this is why this is a team that can't score in the first half for some reason until they finally are able to figure it out. And I put that, I mean, that's that's grow up in the booth, seeing it. And then having to say, okay, well, this is what what they're doing, and this is how we have to counter. That's not happening. Mike, I just saw a tweet from Edge Sports at Edge Analytics, which is obviously our boys. Uh, We should talk about this. The Eagles had a 57.6% chance to succeed to convert a two-point attempt from the one, which would have been the case if they had accepted the Demarcus Lawrence penalty on the extra point on the uh, the final touchdown in regulation. 57.6% chance to complete 
And, 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 a 70%, 70.8% chance to win in regulation had they converted. I said if they were, Mike if they is scored. physically affected. If you score, you go for it. That is this team. You didn't deserve to be back in that game to begin with. Why prolong it when your defense is in the state that it is in and you cannot stop this freaking Dallas Cowboys buzzsaw offense? And I say that very sarcastically. You go for it. You go for it. You, and you definitely take the penalty and go for it. That's that's just that's the an- antithesis of what this team, what this coaching staff has is supposed to be. Quote, unquote, fearless. Fearless. This situation. <laughs> you not remember so much. the uh the twenty sixteen Ravens game where the Eagles could have tied it was twenty it was seventeen twenty. You defended that decision. Yeah. And you hated that decision and we fought about it for months and months and months, and I've been behind that decision 100% all of the way. 17-24. Eagles score on a little Carson Wentz scamper, 23-24, and Doug decides to go for two at the end of regulation, fails to get it, and the Eagles lose to the Ravens. That would have led me to believe he would have attempted going for two here. You know what I mean? Like that... I don't I don't understand what the difference was. And absolutely. I was start I was starting to convince myself off of it because by the time it was listen, when it was sixteen to nine, I said go for it if you if you yeah. if you score. Right? Because you you don't know how many times you're gonna get down there. Plus Jake Elliott had missed an extra point already. Yes. What else do you need? Right. And so and so yeah, you uh I started to talk myself out of it a little bit by the time it was twenty three twenty two because your offense had been scoring so much. I was moving the ball so well. That your kind of your hope was um, that you would just get last possession at this point because I wasn't I wasn't really sure you could stop anybody, um, but obviously the Eagles do get that stop. You know you have the bad snap and then you have the sack and the Cowboys aren't able to attempt a field goal and it goes to <laughs> overtime. Man, if they had been up by one right there, you know it would have been a much different conversation. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tricky. There are um, the Cowboys are comical, dude. They're so comical and it's comical that they won. Oh yeah. When um, <laughs> if you're if you're like a regular listener, if you're a gentle listener, then you remember like during like the Titans games and the Panthers game, which absolutely I think this Cowboys game belongs in that bucket. We talked a lot about like how there are inflection points. Like they're basically just like two or three plays that just like massively change the outcome of these games, right? This is a Dallas game where like it's impossible to separate one inflection point from another because so much stuff happened, right? You have the the fumble non recovery call, which was baffling on the first play of the game, just absolutely confounding. You have the uh, the Dallas Goddard non call, which would have tied the game with over three minutes left, which now drastically changes the the outlook of the fourth quarter, massively changes the yeah. landscape as versus uh, scoring with with about like a minute forty or whatever it was that was left when they scored. You know, you have um, the fourth and one attempt by. The Dallas Cowboys, incredibly gutsy, a fearless call. You have the Russell Douglas pass breakup, which Cowboys would have attempted a field goal, probably hit it. Eagles would have had an opportunity. Carson Wentz would have had a game-winning drive opportunity. I mean, like, it's impossible to separate. That's four huge ones right there, you know, and, and, and you throw in all the other stuff. Philadelphia, oh, man, yeah, I, I can't say enough. Well, let's, well, I can't say enough about the defense generating three turnovers. Obviously missed throw by Dak for the second interception, but the other two were high quality plays. Michael Bennett, man. Michael Bennett. Yeah. Michael Bennett. Me? Every Michael week. Kiss. Michael Bennett. Every week. Dude, I like listen, listen. There was there was one among us who said that Michael Bennett was the second best pass rusher on the team way back in like week <laughs> two or three. His yeah. name was Ben Solak. He was it very was. good at, at analysis. Um, <laughs> no, Michael Bennett, incredible. 
Uh, Fletcher Cox, obviously insane. Brandon Graham, fantastic game. Not so much in the box score, but in terms of uh, affecting and backside pursuit, especially on those wide zones that, that the Cowboys were killing the Eagles with. Um, it was fantastic. So defensive line gets credit there. Bradham had himself probably one of his better games. Still wasn't amazing, but he doesn't have much help around him. Malcolm Jenkins, again, had a fantastic game. Rasul Douglas, good game. Good game, Sewell. Good yeah. game, Sewell. That yep. interception was textbook, Mike. Beautiful. Textbook. Can we talk about that? That pass Cause... breakup was that pass breakup was perfect coverage. It's heartbreaking. It's, yeah. it, it is devastating to have a play be such good process and such bad outcome. Let's let's save the Rasul Douglas love because we want to go into this on depth in the all twenty two review. So we're going to save going over that interception, which was a fantastic play by Rasul Douglas. Do not want to underplay it, but something that I do want to touch on. I know. That uh, we'll get crap from from our boss, uh, BLG, maybe May forever, forever rain, if we do not touch on this. So, Ben, this one started super slow, uh, despite the fire wagon football at the end of it. Should have been a great start for the Eagles. So, only three first quarter points. Dallas went up 0-3. to three, Got some help from the Eagles on some penalties, which were the correct calls for those ones. But what wasn't correct was the opening kickoff. Clear and undeniable fumble recovery from Camus Gruget Hill. Nothing but Eagles in the pile as the Cowboys cough it up on the return. And because Amazing. it was ruled down on the field incorrectly, for some wild and crazy reason, I would love to hear the review could not show that the Eagles, right. quote unquote, clearly recovered. So it not only cost them a free possession deep in Dallas territory, but it ch- but a challenge and a timeout, momentum, here's, whatever you want to call it. And Ben. Here's what's amazing. Firstly. The defined spirit of this rule, like you have to have a clear recovery, basically boiled down to, in this specific situation, says, if the Eagles definitely recovered the ball, then it's the Eagles' ball. But if there's no chance it was not an Eagle who covered the ball, then we don't know who recovered it, which is just logically... A fallacy. There are two teams on the field, and you've just eliminated one of them. So you know which team recovered the football. It was the Eagles, right? Which which, which then brings us to this, which is, to me, patently incorrect. The call on the field was no fumble. In the explanation, the referee stated that there was a fumble on the field, and then said that the call would stand Dallas's football. Well, the call can't stand. Because you just admitted you got the call wrong on the field. You just admitted that the ball was fumbled. And so now the call can no longer stand. You either have to give the ball to Dallas in a recovery because there was a fumble, or have to give the the ball to Philadelphia uh, because there was a fumble. Your decision was to say, well, there was no clear recovery, so the ball has to stay with Dallas. But you admitted that there was a fumble, and you know objectively that the the, the Cowboys did not recover. So you, you can't even say the call stands. You can't even say, like, he said, like, verbally, like, the call stands, which it doesn't. Right. What, you, what you should have said is, right. uh, there was a fumble, the call's overturned, there was a fumble, however, there is no clear recovery, so Dallas keeps it, Philadelphia gets to keep a timeout! They took a timeout away from Philadelphia for a failed challenge, despite the fact that they admitted that there was a fumble! So, even yeah. in getting it wrong, they got it wrong again and took a, a timeout away from Philadelphia. It's shocking. Absolutely shocking. What also shocked me was the Dallas Goddard offensive pass interference where he was cocked at the <laughs> head by two different players, <laughs> takes it to the house, scores a touchdown. They call him for offensive pass interference. He doesn't even extend fully. He's 
Jeff Heath has got his hand on him. He takes his hand, grabs him by the wrist, or takes his wrist and pushes it upwards to clear himself of that hand. The most normal hand fighting you could ever see from two players colliding with each other at a break point. The most normal thing you could ever see, and it, and it wipes out and it wipes out a touchdown. It, it, There's nothing better than when a player gets called for a penalty by running, by doing something he's coached to do. Like, Goddard right. may not even initiate that contact if you were just, like, running the route without Justin Peel, the Eagles tight end coach, being like, hey, listen, when you run this, like, quick inbender, right, and you have, like, you know, the safety at a depth of five yards, collision him and then come off it. Like, that's how you're coached yeah. to run the route. It's just a bit like, yep. it's what you do in the NFL. Like, that's how... You know, if Goddard had run a worse route, he would not have been called for the penalty, which is amazing. Right. And then on the very next drive, that Amari Cooper drop, where he literally just like picked up Sidney Jones and threw him off him, and they <laughs> bounce off Cooper's chest, and the ref's like, "Yeah, no, that looked natural. Like that's fine." It was an amazing game. It was amazing. And until the and I said this, I said this, you know, when the game was yet undecided, whoever lost, the referees had a massive impact on them losing. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, Philadelphia got got the makeup call uh, on the roughing the passer where it was around Carson Wentz's legs, which even though, as Eagle fans well know from the Vikings game, the refs are going to call those leg shots. Uh, Gregory was on the ground and literally just grabbed his ankle. It was a completely fine hit. Uh, Then that goes ahead and gets called. Whatever. At the end of the day, that obviously gives the ball to the Eagles at the 30. The Goddard call takes away a touchdown. Eagles score again, but again, having... A tie game with three and a half minutes left versus one and a half minutes left is massively different. It can't yeah. be overstated. It's hugely different because with three minutes left on the clock, you expect to get the ball back. You expect right. it. You know? And and, and so it, it affects the game tremendously. Philadelphia then loses the toss. Obviously, is not able to stop the Cowboys. Uh, the NFL's recently changed uh, the overtime rules. Now it's a 10-minute overtime. Well, that just lets Dallas sit on the football pretty much once they get down into that area. The fact that they threw the ball, to me, was honestly shocking. I expected them to run it on that third and eight, force Philadelphia to use a timeout. You're up by three, and now your defense got to stop Philadelphia from scoring a touchdown because Philadelphia is not going to settle for a field goal. Philadelphia needs to beat you for the divisional lead. Philadelphia has to score six. They cannot score three in that situation. So, again, bad process to even throw the football. Bad process in the attempt of the pass. Ball bounces up, Amari Cooper catches it. It's a touchdown. And, uh, and, and, and there you go. The Dallas Cowboys win the football game. I mean, yeah. this was very... Very illustrative, this entire game of the Eagles season. It simply was. You had uh, the biggest issue on defense was the depleted secondary. Sidney Jones, we should say Sidney Jones was, it's confirmed now, playing injured while he was in there in the third and fourth quarter. Which he, like, obviously, as we found out after that drive where they just walked him up the field, yeah. he should have been taken out. And he was. And Bosby was put back in and that was the right move. But Jones was playing injured. So you have depleted secondary and, and you have an unrelenting inflexible defensive coordinator you have a quarterback who's forcing a lot of his throws and some unimaginative scripted stale play calling i would say on the offensive side right you have a billion things break the wrong way and completely dead offense in the first half offense fights back into a game only for the defense to then all of a sudden lose their edge in the second half and then a couple more bad bounces a couple more bad breaks and the eagles lose the game Right, it's simply like this. This yeah. was just a microcosm of the season, which, as we can say, like you know, with relative certainty, there's still a slim chance. But with relative certainty, the season is now over. It is dead. Microcosm is the exact right word. 
we, we've said it a few times now. I've, I've said it a bunch. If they play for 60 minutes in this game, if they play a complete football game, they win easily. No question. I mean, they, they couldn't even do it. They couldn't even blow out the Washington Redskins with, with Mark Sanchez like the Giants did today. Like, oh, 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 Mike, 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 Mike. Jimmy Kemsky, second down run play to Smallwood was not a check per Wentz. It was a called run. Oh, get out of why? Okay. Second let's, let's, and goal from outside it. of the 10. That's ah, not good. One of my least favorite play calls in the world is a second down and long run. The analytics are all second over and this. goal. A bad idea. Second and goal Don't run. Care. And then second and goal to do that with Smallwood, who again, oh my God, has been beaten out by literally every running back under the sun that the Eagles have brought in. You have him on the field for that situation, and that is your play call. Okay, let's talk about this. Mike Rowe is done. Has to be. This offense has been stagnant. Wentz is not developing with the current configuration of coaches around him. Peterson has to be better at picking voices that he wants to have in the room, feeding him info because the experiment, Ben, has failed. Yeah, no, I think that uh, I, I can't say with certainty as to whether or not Grow will be gone. It's definitely got to be better. a conversation. You know, for all for the the silliness as it may sound, uh, with obviously Philadelphia having a letdown season, they should anticipate losing Deuce Staley within the next couple of years. Deuce Staley obviously got bumped up to the associate head coaching position in part because he was passed over for the offensive coordinating position. Um, Deuce is a guy who clearly wants to be moving up in the ladder. I don't know how much space there is for him, especially because if they fire Grow, there's no way Staley's becoming the offensive coordinator. Can you imagine how furious everybody would be? Uh, and so they yeah. should anticipate losing Staley relatively soon. So yeah, you'd like to see them bring in some new blood for sure. And then obviously I think that, yeah, like you got to wonder with Press Taylor, man. I mean, like we talk about Grow a lot. I have a lot of, I have a lot of questions about Press Taylor because Carson's not, not playing very well. Um, Carson's stuck on a lot of his reads. Carson's very statuesque in the pocket. And, and obviously, I think there's no doubt anymore that Carson is not fully back, whether that's mentally or physically, like whichever one that is. You know what I mean? Uh, like I said, when the report first came out, I'm a little bit suspect of reports like, oh, Carson really can't put weight on his front leg. Like, I'm not so sure about that. I feel like he would not be starting if that's the case. Um, but mentally or physically, whatever it is, injury related, or is if it's, you know, him pushing because of the Super Bowl and not being a part of it, which I think is probably a, a big portion of his struggles. He's uh, he's clearly struggling, and I don't think Press has been able to get him out of that. And so for as exciting yeah. as it is for Press to be like this play designer and this like college guy and whatever, uh, Carson is still in need of development. He's a third-year quarterback, so he still needs somebody right. who can coach him up. Uh, and, and and you have to wonder, Press Taylor's not that guy. So I have a lot. I have a lot of. Uh, I have a lot of press questions. There's obviously the grow questions, but I think I have a lot of press questions as well. Ben, let's go to three words. Uh, I, you know, we've we've yelled and we've called for heads, and I think heads are going to roll. I personally think that that Mike Rowe and Jim Schwartz will not be back with this team. You think they're gonna fire Schwartz? You're drunk. No, I I would bet I would bet good money that Schwartz is back as the defensive coordinator for the Eagles in 2018. I think he should be. Hot take. <laughs> I, dis- I disagree, he's, he's, man. He's not, not, not a healthy secondary of the entire season. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt, and he deserves it. Again, my, my thing with Schwartz always is this. I have so many complaints about Schwartz. You know I have complaints about Schwartz. Find me the better name that's available, and I'm down. There isn't one. Okay, well, let's not focus on like individual people here. I'm saying... Dog. Listen, you're the, I was the one who said you can't find anybody better than Schwartz, and you tried to find somebody better, and you were unable to. <laughs> I, I will make you a list. Now is not the time for that conversation. We need to wrap this up. Three words. 
Here we go. We asked for you on the official BGN radio account at BGN underscore radio for your three words describing this loss. Uh, ben, I thought this was funny. Big Cat Country at Big Cat Country, the, the uh, SB Nation site for the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars chimed in. They said Blake effing Bortles. Wait, what was this for again? So I thought that was great. Shout out a little, little, uh, Little SB Nation solidarity there. So BLG chimes in with no clear recovery. I like that one. Ben, you see any uh, that you like that you might want to dive into here? Yeah, Caden Lee at KLEIX85, 0.5, which is a big one. Would have been nice to score some points in the first half. Maybe even coming out of the second half. It would be nice to not be completely up against the wall before the offense starts producing. Man, oh man, that sure would be swell. We got some draft ones here. Focus on the draft uh, by, or focus on draft by Johnny Canuck. Trey W says, who are we drafting? Uh, Jeremy Shar agrees with us. He says, go for two. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely feeling the going for two. That's going to hurt, especially since our boys at Edge Analytics back that up. Uh, Somebody says, missed extra point. It was... Tokosaurus Rex at Oceanica underscore underscore, which, as with all things, Jake Elliott, I think we're vastly overblowing how difficult that how how much that mattered. Missed extra point. If Philadelphia can just maybe punch in a score when it's nine to six and it makes it twelve nine, we're not even talking about this situation. Also, it was his first missed extra point of the se- of the season. I'm pretty sure. No, it was the second one. Either way, like six extra points were missed in the NFL today. Extra point misses is a thing that now currently happens. Again, you have to find a better alternative, and I don't think there is one. Ryan Jones at Ryan Jones 0805 agrees with my take. Grow shorts gone. Art Vandalay at Elijah Nettleton says refs need accountability. Like we said, like this wasn't all about just the calls that went against the Eagles that were bad, but these refs were bad just in general. We we talked about the the roughing the passer call that was awful. It was exactly what they wanted to do. I mean, they, they kept going to Mike Pereira, and Mike Pereira was like, uh, no, I don't I don't I don't agree with any of this. Pretty much for almost every yeah. call that was controversial. Okay, there was hold that extension from young renegade at Matthew Outlaw. Which extension? Jeez, I don't know. Maybe for, if they're saying for Doug Peterson, then no, absolutely not. But if they're saying for uh, Jason Garrett, (laughs) maybe he's hoping they hold it. They they don't do it yet. Maybe they're waiting to see what happens. Somebody responded. I lost it. I can't find it right now. Somebody responded with, uh, that's called choking, I'm pretty sure. Which, man, oh, man, I had him in the chamber because Dallas was trying to give that game away. And if they all, man, the choking tweets were coming out. I was going to be ready for it. Highly disappointing. Eagles weren't able to finish it for that reason alone. Man, I mean, okay. Greatest disappointment for me for this game was just simply the fact that I wanted to see Carson have an opportunity to win it in overtime and didn't get it. That was the biggest thing for me. That would have been nice to have seen if they end up kicking the field goal and then Carson gets the chance with a couple of minutes to go to march down the field and put it away with a touchdown. Definitely would have been sweet because they would have had to. They Like we talked about, they could not have settled for a field goal in that situation. They had to beat Dallas to make it square mm-hmm. up with Dallas to have a chance, take the division lead, and then go into the rest of the season, which is, you got, you know, you got the Los Angeles Rams coming up next. You got the Houston Texans. You got the Washington Redskins. You, you got to win. <laughs> you got to win those games, man. And it's just... Now it's all for naught. The season is pretty much uh, dead as far as NFC East title chances go. Wildcard's been out of the picture for for a bit now. We promise you to uh, continue to bring you excellent content regarding the Eagles. Ben, say goodbye to the gentle listeners and beg them to stay for the rest of the season because we're going to have some awesome content for you and we're going to be able to follow this whole new Eagles team as it morphs into what it will be next as we go. Yeah, no, I mean, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Solak show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you 
you know, obviously sticking with us through what has been a very fun, tumultuous, disappointing, insane, self-effacing season of terror and sadness. Uh, but generally speaking, it obviously is going to be a very fun offseason. There's going to be a lot going on. Philadelphia has some major contract extensions to be looking at and, and free agents to potentially be uh, leaving or retaining. And so that's stuff that we're going to want to be going through as we approach that time. Uh, and obviously, there might be some coaching changes that you want to get through as well. And then there's preparing for the 2019 NFL Draft. A very important draft in which Philadelphia holds two second-round picks, and they haven't been drafting super well recently. So it would be uh, nice to see them hit that as well. We will be covering all of that, and we'll be covering all that with the perspective of guys who cover the draft for work. And so we do appreciate you uh, staying with us through that process as well. The uh, Eagles season is all year round. We'd like to see what they can do to get back to competing back at a Super Bowl level. Uh, for now, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. and Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K I S T. Please rate and review and subscribe to the podcast, uh, especially because we have done such a good job bringing you through this difficult season. We have been so helpful to you and the, your gym time or your driving time and your sadness has your, your sadness has been abated and has been has been soothed and assuaged by our <laughs> level-headed and and reasoned takes and you love us and you want to give us a five-star rating in thanks thank you we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.